Why Radio Doesn't Work The Monday Morning Memo for January 30th, 2012 My original plan was to make today's memo the sequel to last week's memo about media buying. But I decided not to go to the trouble. You see, I'm convinced no one believes me. I wrote last week's memo to warn you of the extraordinary dangers of using gross rating points as a guide to media placement. But Roy, that's how everyone does it. I know. And that's why most advertising doesn't work very well, especially radio advertising. But that's how everyone does it. Yes, I know. And that's why so many business people in America say, I tried radio and it didn't work. But that's how everyone does it. Gross rating points are the industry standard. You see why I decided to drop the whole thing, don't you? I know you're secretly relieved. I'm not going to talk about media negotiations, buying, and placement again. Most of you have your own beliefs about what would work and why it would work. Many years ago in a college classroom, a person standing at the front of that room pronounced gross rating points to be orthodox. That person had been given those beliefs to cherish and protect and pass along to the next generation when he or she was in college many years earlier. Orthodoxy is a powerful thing. And that, you see is why everyone does it. Me, I'm just a goober who has spent a few hundred million dollars purchasing tens of thousands of radio schedules nationwide over the past 30 years and then watched to see what did and didn't happen as a result of each and every schedule. I paid attention. I even wrote a few New York Times best-selling books on the subject. But now I'm boasting. I'm sorry. Among the 50,000 or so readers of the Monday Morning Memo, There may be two dozen of you who would like to hear me explain exactly what the problem is with a schedule negotiated according to gross rating points and evaluated on a cost-per-point basis. So I have built a webpage that summarizes the problem and explains how to avoid it. The two dozen of you can follow the link that you'll find in the Monday Morning Memo for January 30th, 2012 in the archives at mondaymorningmemo.com. The link is in about the middle of the memo. The rest of us are going to talk about something altogether different now. Bob Walkish is a cognoscenti graduate of Wizard Academy from the early years. He runs a dental lab. He was recently asked to write a feature story for the primary trade publication of his profession. Did you know there are more than 140,000 dentists in America? Bob chose to write about society's pendulum and how it will likely affect trends in dentistry, which he's qualified to do since he so dutifully absorbed the entire two-day pendulum class we hosted last fall. We're having another pendulum class April 17th and rooms in Engelbrecht House are still available. Hint, hint. Hi, Roy. Observation number one. I remember during your pendulum presentation, you said something like, heroes in a we who are good are either dead or fictional. The other day while perusing in a bookstore, I noticed the titles in the bestseller sections. In the nonfiction, there was Killing Lincoln, Steve Jobs, and Being George Washington. In fiction, there was 112263 and Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Killer. When I got home, I checked the bestsellers list from 1982 and 83, the zenith of the me. 
Obviously, it was loaded with me titles. Jane Fonda's Workout Book, Living, Loving, and Learning by Buscaglia, Life Extension by Pearson and Shaw, In Search of Excellence by Peters and Waterman, Megatrends by Nesbitt, Motherhood by Bombeck, The One-Minute Manager by Blanchard and Johnson, Mary Kay's Guide to Beauty and Creating Wealth by Allen. You're a genius. Observation number two. The publisher of the trade journal in which my article about Pendulum will appear recently wrote that she was abhorred by the moral fiber of today's society. She feels it seems to be split between those who are, one, working together for the common good, and two, those who are greedy and trying to take advantage. She even referenced Gordon Gecko, a prime example of a me. Finally, she said she wished Malcolm Gladwell would research all this and write a book so we could all understand it. I wrote to her and told her she didn't need to wait for a book from Gladwell because the definitive work had already been written by Roy H. Williams and Michael Drew and would be out in April. She's going to try to arrange her schedule so she can be in Austin in April for your next Pendulum Workshop. I hope so. It's funny, just like with third gravitating bodies, once you know about me and we, you see it everywhere. Thanks, Bob Walkish. Right now, you're probably thinking, I included Bob's email in today's memo because I'm trying to build anticipation for the release of the Pendulum book. That assumption seems reasonable, I'll agree. But the truth is, I was feeling blue because so very few people will heed my warnings about gross rating points. I printed Bob's email because it made me feel better when I opened it Friday morning. Yes, I am that small and vain and insecure. Did you ever read The Catcher in the Rye? The title of that book refers to the recurring dream of Holden Caulfield, in which he is standing in a field of rye near the edge of a tall cliff. Children are playing in the field, unaware that death awaits nearby. Anyway, I keep picturing all these little kids playing some game in this big field of rye and all. Thousands of little kids and nobody's around. Nobody big, I mean, except me. And I'm standing on the edge of some crazy cliff. What I have to do, I have to catch everybody if they start to go over the cliff. I mean, if they're running and they don't look where they're going, I have to come out from somewhere and catch them. That's all, that's all I do all day. I'd just be the catcher in the rye and all. I know it's crazy, but that's the only thing I'd really like to be. Holden Caulfield in Chapter 22 of The Catcher in the Rye. Today is the last time I'm ever going to talk about media scheduling in the Monday Morning Memo. I hope you'll understand and forgive me when I refuse to look toward the edge of that cliff or comment on the broken bodies below. So when a business person cries, Why? Why? Why didn't it work? And they want someone to explain it all to them. I'm just going to shrug my shoulders and suggest they call their college marketing professor or the salesperson who scheduled their ads or the media buyer who negotiated that schedule using a gross ratings point target and a cost per point budget as the basis for decision making. I promise to make next week's memo more fun. Roy H. Williams.